Each year during the season of Advent, we run into somebody in the Gospels that it would be easy for us to write off as just another minor figure in Jesus's life. That person is John the Baptist. John is Jesus's cousin or something like his cousin who was born just months before Jesus and who we meet in Mark's gospel as a man baptizing people in the wilderness, wearing strange clothes, and eating locusts and wild honey. When you read the beginning of the gospels of Mark, Luke, and John, it seems like they can't begin the story of Jesus without talking about John the Baptist. Why is it that John is so important to these first century writers? Well, it's difficult for us to imagine this, but there was a time when John the Baptist was a famous teacher and Jesus was largely unknown. Around the year 30 in Judea, John was getting a lot of attention. Before the religious establishment was ever concerned about Jesus of Nazareth, they were keeping an eye on John the Baptist, baptizing people down at the Jordan River. And the fact that John had called out Herod Antipas, the Tetrarch of Galilee, for his sins meant that he was arrested by the Roman authorities before Jesus was even on their radar screen. In fact, when Herod did finally hear about Jesus and his ministry, he feared that Jesus might actually be John the Baptist raised from the dead because he had had John executed. This is just how closely people put John the Baptist and Jesus. And there were good reasons for it. They were clearly on the same team. They had a very similar message. They were the same age, and they might have even had some of the same features, being that they were related. To a people who were looking for a prophet and a Messiah, John the Baptist seemed to fit the bill, even as he denied those titles for himself. So if some of the people living during the time of John's ministry overestimated his importance, we likely underestimate it and the role that he played in preparing the way for Jesus and his ministry. And so this morning, we're going to spend some time exploring John the Baptist's ministry, how he lived it out, and how his calling might intersect with our own. We'll, we'll begin by returning to our gospel text for this morning in Mark chapter 1. After a one-sentence introduction to his gospel, which is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Mark jumps right into talking about John the Baptist as he quotes the Hebrew scriptures. Quoting from both Malachi and Isaiah, Mark writes, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. 
in no uncertain terms, Mark is conveying the idea that John is indeed the messenger of the Lord, <clears throat> the messenger of the Lord who has come to prepare the way of the Lord. The Holy One of God is coming, and it's John's job to get people ready for it. And there's an urgency in his calling. He doesn't have a lot of time. Like a tornado siren going off just as a funnel cloud enters a neighborhood, people must react quickly. They have to be prepared if they want to be saved. But if preparing for a tornado means going down in the basement or going into an inner room, preparing for the Lord in John's ministry means going out in the wilderness and making oneself vulnerable. John invites people to come out to where he is at the Jordan River to repent of their sins and to be baptized. Now, as Christians, this sounds normal enough to us. People go down to rivers and get baptized. Even if we weren't baptized in a river, we know people who are baptized in a river, or we've at least seen it in the movies. But this was unusual for first century Jews. While repeated ritual baths were fairly common, this wasn't a ritual cleansing. This was like a one-time initiation into something new. At the Jordan River, John was leading a spiritual renewal movement that was not centered on the temple in Jerusalem, but rather was focused on the hearts of individuals who desired to be reconciled to the Lord before the Lord arrived on the scene. Now just imagine, if you will, going out in the wilderness on a spiritual pilgrimage and encountering someone like John the Baptist, calling on you to repent of your sins and be baptized. What would you do? How would you respond? Would you find the courage to confess your sins and to turn from them? Could you even manage to believe that confessing your sins and being baptized would make any difference at all? Would it be worth the risk to find out? For many, many people, the answer was Yes, they responded to John's call in droves. There was a spiritual hunger out there, and it was not being satisfied by the status quo. They wanted something more. But what about John himself? What was motivating him to do this? Well, John had been set apart for this before he was even conceived. He knew that he was part of God's story, part of the story of the Lord's salvation plan. John had a specific role to play in salvation history. And the Lord shared that with John's father, Zechariah. According to the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke, the angel Gabriel, who we just sang about, uh, described John to Zechariah in this way. 
With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. As I was reading that, I was just thinking how that must have sounded to the parents in the room. That must have sounded like good news indeed. Um, with these words, the Lord was telling Zechariah that his son would fulfill the prophecy found in the final verses of the book of Malachi, that the Lord will send the prophet Elijah before the day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. Malachi 4, 5, and 6. Yes, Zechariah's son would fulfill the scriptures regarding the day of the Lord. He would stand in the place of the great prophet Elijah to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Imagine being told that that was the plan for your son or your daughter before they were ever conceived. After John had been born, Zechariah himself was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied about his own son in, in a, a long canticle, but I'm just going to quote a little bit of it. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of our God. So John grew up knowing the presence of the Lord as he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was raised and taught by righteous parents who loved him and the Lord and supported him. And Luke writes of John, the child grew and became strong in spirit and he was in the wilderness until the day he appeared publicly to Israel. Well, it sounds like John had a lot of advantages, right? I mean, he was, his purpose was foretold ahead of time and his parents were fully on board with it. Not everybody has those advantages. And the Bible is filled with people who the Lord calls and they do the opposite. Uh, when Lord, the Lord told Jonah to go east to Nineveh, he got on a ship headed west. After the Lord called Saul to be the first king of Israel, Saul squandered his kingship by caring more about what the people thought than being obedient to the Lord. But John lived out his calling to the best of his ability, even though it was a difficult one. He lived in the wilderness. He dressed and ate like an impoverished person. He was wholly dedicated to the Lord and his calling and continued to preach the truth even when it meant imprisonment and ultimately cost him his life. So what does this unique character, John the Baptist, have to teach us? Well, I think I can say with confidence that our lives look very different from John the Baptist, but we do share some similarities. Like John, we are part of God's story of salvation. Now, John lived at the, as the same time as Jesus did. We live 2,000 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, but we are called to continue God's mission in the world. John was called to fulfill the scriptures that spoke of the messenger of God, of Elijah coming to prepare the way of the, of the Lord. 
when we repent of our own sins, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, when we're baptized, we're fulfilling the word of God, particularly Jesus's words of the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations. When I was visiting Israel several years ago, and I was worshiping in Jerusalem, it struck me how far away from the epicenter Canada, North America is. Disciples of all nations. We have become disciples of Jesus, and we carry Jesus's great commission forward as we share the good news of Jesus Christ with others, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. And filled with the Holy Spirit, we can hold on to those words of Jesus, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we don't have the same calling that John does, but we're on the same team. And as we respond to the Lord's call on us with faith and obedience, we can help others realize that the Lord is calling them too into loving relationship with him by repentance, faith in Jesus, and baptism. Now, another aspect of John's ministry that we can learn from is his courage to be authentically different because of his relationship with the Lord. When I was a teenager, my favorite Bible verse talked about nonconformity. Are you surprised? <laughs> Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Living in a secular society that is continuously pushing religious faith to the margins, we are under daily pressure to conform to the ways of this world. Now, naturally, we want to fit in with those around us. But in our desire to fit in, we can easily pick up habits that may contradict and even subtly undermine our Christian faith. John, on the other hand, did not conform to even the most basic customs of dress or eating and habitation, living in the wilderness, wearing camel's hair, eating locusts and wild honey. But you know what? John's oddities did not prevent people from traveling to see him or from responding to him. In fact, his strangeness may have even increased people's desire to go and see him. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. 
Friends, we were made to be salty, to bring holy and loving flavor to all we encounter. We were made to shine brightly, to illuminate God's truth and mercy. Our faith brings a certain flavor and perspective that will repel some people, but it will also draw others in. Generally speaking, spiritual seekers are not looking for people or churches that are no different from the world. Because if we're no different, what do we have to offer? It is only because we are different, because we have been made new in Jesus Christ, that we have anything worthwhile to offer to others. No, we don't need to all move out to the wilderness or begin eating bugs. But we should not be afraid to be different. Because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and the outpouring of his Holy Spirit, we've been changed. And that is good news. When it comes to role models for ministry, John the Baptist may seem like an odd choice. Because he's odd. He was hardly an ordinary person, with the Lord calling him to a special mission before he was conceived. But the Lord knew all of us before we were born, too. We, too, are fearfully and wonderfully made, created with a purpose by God. And we, like John, are part of God's story of salvation. We may never be famous, like John the Baptist, but the Lord knows our name, and Jesus gave his life for us that we might be saved. In God's kingdom, there's no minor characters. We're all precious to him. And we've all been invited to be reconciled to God by putting our faith in Jesus, repenting of our sins, and being baptized. Turns out John was actually on to something there. So just for a moment, if you're willing, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. And in your mind's eye, return to that scene at the Jordan River, you know the one, where people are being baptized. The day is warm, but the water is cool. People are gathered on the riverbank, and a hush settles over the crowd. And as you stand at the river's edge, you see a man baptizing people. Is it John? Looks a little like John, but it's actually Jesus. And Jesus turns your way and smiles at you and invites you to come into the water. Will you stay at the river's edge or will you go to him? Will you repent of your sins? 
and be baptized. We're just going to spend a few moments in silence, responding to the Lord as we're led by the Holy Spirit. Wherever you are today, whether you're in the river <laughs> or you're still on the edge or maybe even back up on the bank, know that the Lord is with you and he loves you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.